Microsoft mission is to empower every person organization on the planet to achieve more. We want to empower every founder and startup in the Middle East region to achieve more. You're tuning in to an episode from Adventure Emerge 2021, the number one entrepreneurship conference for students and researchers worldwide. This episode is brought to you by our event sponsors, Edinburgh Innovations and Volage. Thank you, Roberto, for coming. Roberto is the managing director of Microsoft. He has over 20 years of experience in developing innovation and startup ecosystems and has uh, bridged the gap between corporates and startups across more than 20 countries, helping them develop solutions that solve real world problems. Roberto is also really passionate about mentoring young people, helping them develop entrepreneurial mindset and searching for solutions to problems they see in their community, country or across the globe. That's why he's kindly agreed to join us today and talk about his work at Microsoft. Over to you, Roberto. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ragnar. And thank you, Ragnar Zara and Adventure Emerge 2021 for inviting me. I'm sharing my screen, so I'm using a few slides and I go straight to, to the point. So we have a, a good 15 minutes together to share a little bit more what we are doing with Microsoft for Startups here in the region and hopefully another 15 minutes uh, to go through Q&A. To go a little bit through the presentation, so Agnor mentioned a little bit about the work we are doing through, through the ecosystem. And uh, this is very interesting, right? Because we, we are working in a nascent ecosystem, if you want, compared to other mature ecosystems uh, globally. And there was this recent research from Startup Genome about what makes a great startup ecosystem. And the cool thing about it is that you see startup ecosystems are sort of new type of industry clusters. You see uh, there are different phases that as an ecosystem, we go through sort of a life cycle model. And uh, there are different uh, factors that determine the success of an ecosystem, right? So you start from a resource activation that, that comes with size and, and resources available, and you move ahead through the different phases. But uh, what struck me about the research is that one of the key elements that drive the ecosystem is how much locally and globally an ecosystem is connected. And when we talk about connectedness, we, we mean the founder to founder connections, the availability of world-class mentors, how knowledge is shared and transferred across the ecosystem, the abundance of ideas that are there in the ecosystem and how easy it is to tap into the support network around the ecosystem, right? So. You see that there is global competition for resources and markets. Usually the performance comes with size, resources, and the quality of the community. But it's also uh, uh, a matter of attracting resources and retaining it and how that's proportional to relative performance versus other ecosystems. <clears throat> but what comes to mind is that the research was able to amplify the fact that connected ecosystems, connected both locally and globally ecosystems, are achieving real outcomes. So the startups that, that perform uh, out of those ecosystems have higher returns in terms of net profits, in terms of revenues, in terms of growth compared to startups from other ecosystems, right? So it's not just the ecosystem per se, per se that, that becomes attractive, but of course, startups can get real, real value, real benefit out of that ecosystem. And, and early stage ecosystems, basically, there are uh, uh, different factors that can determine that the growth of that ecosystem. Definitely as an, an enabling factor, we need to grow the number of startups, right? So is this a concept of abundance or healthy funnel that we need to have in the ecosystem. So top funnel, we need to have abundance of ideas, engineers, entrepreneurs, people that tap into it and believe into building something, new solutions and so on and so forth, right? So still we have a lot of things to do, especially in this ecosystem in order to enable more abundance here. Definitely as success factors, then you see the, the quality of the startups. So the quality of the startups needs to increase. So as an ecosystem, we can only see, we can only measure the number of startups. We need at some point to funnel that quantity into 
quality, right? So startups that, that, that go ahead and, and build real solutions to real problems that move ahead in terms of funding, in terms of exits, in terms of growth, in terms of creating economic growth, in terms of either jobs created, in terms of revenues, deals, customers, and so on and so forth. And finally, it's also increased the early stage funding, right? As this is a key success factor in order to attract and retain entrepreneurs to build from this ecosystem and definitely make it more sustainable, right? Because it's not just by investing in a startup when someone else did or when there is revenues and traction in the market, but it's also what, what is done in the early stage when it's still an idea or still a pre-product market fit startup, but still has a lot of potential. So the reason I'm mentioning this is that because what, what at Microsoft, what we believe is that our is not an industry that respects tradition. It only respects innovation to quote our CEO, Satya Nadella. So when he moved to CEO at Microsoft, basically he changed, he started changing the culture of the organization. And that reflects in many things that Microsoft is doing today when it comes to openness, when it comes to rethinking partnerships, when it comes to sustainability and, and many other things. So when it comes to startups specifically, the influence that Satya had in the new direction that Microsoft is taking with startups is how can we extend assets that we have as a company that are meaningful to startup in a way that is relevant, right? So in a way that is adding value beyond the credits conversation when it comes from a tech vendor, right? So we are all uh, aware of the cloud war that's uh, going through and then the fact that is, you know, that the tech vendors want to try to lock in uh, startups early on because they, they can become potential future customers. But what else? Because credits are incentives that expire at some point. So what is the real value that a startup can get by partnering? with a company like Microsoft. So that has been the thinking, right? The thinking has been, okay, let's tie the value that we can bring to startups to our mission. And Microsoft's mission is to empower every person organization on the planet to achieve more. And we made our mission even more ours in terms of we want to empower every founder and startup in the Middle East region to achieve more. And what does that mean? The thinking has been, we have different assets, whether they are related to technology, to business, to innovation, that if we are able to merge this into action, if we are able to extend those assets in a, re a relevant way to startup, they can gain significant value through the collaboration, through the ideation, through the go-to-market and scaling through channels that Microsoft can give access to. So the grand vision we have uh, to empower the startup ecosystem is to build a connected ecosystem first. We put the founders and the startups at the center of what we do. And at the same time, we work with many other uh, ecosystem players, right? Whether it's the incubators, accelerators, whether it's the VCs, venture capital investors, family offices, whether it's government, public sector, especially in this part of the world, whether it's internal Microsoft teams or external Microsoft partners or skilling, upskilling initiatives that has to do with engineers, with young entrepreneurs, with accelerators and so on and so forth. But the idea is to build a connected ecosystem because what startups need is to find a support network around them in order to be able to build and sustain what they're doing and grow what they're doing, right? So we believe that we can play a critical role in building this connected ecosystem at the same time, extending more value to, to startups. Because at the end of the day, what do startups need to succeed? Well, there are a few things. If we leave aside capital for a moment, there are two other big things that the startups need. One is definitely access to technology. Sometimes this is given for granted, especially in this ecosystem where there's still a lot of work to do to increase the level of understanding of technology. But access to, to technology is key because technology is uh, that element that can help scale the product, that can help achieve economies of scale going global and, and uh, build architectures that can scale and integrate and products that people are going to use. So access to technology is definitely one area that we think startups need to succeed and where we can help. 
paired with access to customers, right? So startups can, can only survive and can only grow if, if they get more customers. And this is pretty straightforward. So how can we accelerate the growth uh, of startups that join our program by connecting with partners and customers in a meaningful way? So that has been the thinking. And we designed the programs that are designed specifically to connect the different resources available to our internal teams, field teams, product groups, engineering teams, industry-focused teams, and of course, the external ecosystem from investors, accelerators, partners, and so on and so forth. And the result of it has been identifying a few programs that we have been able to launch here in the region. Highway to 100 Unicorns is a program where we engage with the ecosystem, we bring in relevant stakeholders, and uh, world-class speakers to surface insights and call to actions for our ecosystem, at the same time uh, running applications for startups to join our programs. And we have two main programs available here today. One is Microsoft for Startups program. This is our program that is available on a rolling window, so startups can always apply to the program. And it's a program that we have enriched with a, an in-program experience like enablement, go-to-market, market access, community engagement, investor readiness. So these are the four main pillars that we center the program on. On top of which, we have also built a regional mentorship program, perks that are available to startups, solutions manual to bring solutions directly to corporates, and, and so on and so forth. So this is, this is the main program that we have. The other accelerator that we launched in the region is called GrowthX, and this is mainly towards corporate and startup co-creation. So on one hand, we have corporates uh, that we define challenges with, and then we source the startups uh, in our programs that can solve for those challenges. Either they already have solutions that solve for those use cases, or they have the capabilities in their teams to build solutions that can provide value to, to those corporates. Now, identifying the challenges with corporates and or sourcing the startups is not the hard part of the work. The hard part is then when the accelerator starts, right? So we have 12 weeks of co-creation where the goal is to have the startups identified to start building the solutions and start working with the corporates. And that's not easy, right? Because we know corporates and startups have different cultures, different ways of working, different expectations, different organizations, different teams, uh, different scale, different size, and so on and so forth. So that's really the hard part of it. And we think this is a gap that we wanted to tap into because we see uh, signals of uh, a rapid evolution in our ecosystems where we see more development on the B2B side in an ecosystem that has been more historically consumer uh, business focused. And we see more corporates that are also looking into open innovation and identifying how they can work with startups in order to uh, drive their innovation. So basically the way we work in our programs is we basically uh, leverage assets that we have as a company through our worldwide presence, a wide partner network. We're working with most of the Fortune 500 corporates. So this network of corporates is really important because this is where we are trying to build the access to markets, access to corporates for startups that join our program and have real solutions that get to an enterprise ready level. We are very open to support startups in building their product using any dev tool or language and connecting with our local community. And the, and the way, and the, way uh, the process works is usually we focus the onboarding at the very beginning to make sure startups understand also how to tap into the Microsoft ecosystem. We try to make the startups more enterprise ready, whether they're B2B or B2C, to become more appealing to enterprise customers or to increase the reach and the number of users that they can get into using their products. We, we onboard startups on Microsoft Marketplace or we turn startups to be cost ready to be able to have a long-term partnership and sell with them. And we usually help startups as well to tap into new regions, new markets to expand and sustain their growth globally. 
At the same time, here in the region, we also launched what's called the Microsoft Reactor. This is a, used to be a physical place. It turned completely virtual with COVID. But this is a place where, you know, we want people to come in and learn, connect and build. It's a place where we used to host physical events, but also workshops, trainings, hackathons, code labs. It's a place where innovation happens because you have developers, startups, entrepreneurs coming together, sharing experiences, learning together. We have a lot of content and a lot of sessions that are delivered every day. And, and this is great because it's a, it's a regional play now. And, and we see a lot of traction as well in, in, uh, in the region uh, in terms of skilling. Finally, in terms of criteria to, to join our programs, we work with B2B, B2C startups that have at least usually a product, an MVP, whether it's pre-product market fit or post-product market fit. We help startups either to generate the first traction or if they already have traction to grow and the startups that operate since less than seven years. And we give, we extend as part of the programs benefits, where, whether it's access to technology, which includes credits and licenses for Microsoft technology from the cloud to LinkedIn, to the CRM, Microsoft Dynamics, to data and analytics and AI with Power Platform. But also we have technical support to give guidance with a team of CTO in residence on the product architecture and how to build for scalability, for security, for integrations and go to market, right? So how we can help startups to become more enterprise ready and, and go to market, co-sell and promote their businesses. So the process is pretty straightforward. So we start helping first the startups to build the product, then to publish and sell their solutions and then to graduate. So to become partners with Microsoft in the long term. And this is it. I mean, this is a short presentation to, to share more what we are doing across the region. When it comes specifically to education, we, we work with a number of startups that are involved into education and ed tech, startups that are trying to reimagine the world of education, right? whether it's looking at what skills are required in the 21st century, whether looking at how to redefine the experience for students, which includes, of course, also teachers, parents, and other stakeholders. Startups that are trying to think outside the box, right? Not only thinking about Oh, today, most of the thinking has been based on, on the past experience, but what about, you know, what about the future? And then this is very tied up also with the education in, in terms of uh, what the future of work looks like, right? So we, we talk a lot, a lot today about hybrid work, but what beyond that, right? So technology was already there to support hybrid work, but what about the work of the future? What, what skills are required? What solutions are required? What... Uh, other tech startups are there to try to reimagine experiences for educators, for, for example, skilling, upskilling, reskilling workers that uh, find themselves in the middle of big transitions or changes and things like that. So definitely happy to, to take questions and being in touch. If you have any interest in what you are doing, you can find us on social channels, on LinkedIn page, or you can reach out to me directly. Yeah, thanks a lot, Roberto. It was a really great presentation and we we have a few questions that actually came up i will run through the first question and the person asked how building connected ecosystem varies across different industries oh yeah cool definitely it, it varies uh, across different industries so uh, it depends on the stage as well right so in early stage uh, ecosystems it's a lot about first principles right so you're still figuring out the process or of ideation of understanding what the trends are, what the challenges are, understanding what the real problems are. And it's, it's a lot about first principles, right? So try to avoid the form or the shape of something and try to focus on the function of something and try to identify what is that thing that you want to focus on. But the more, the more you evolve, right, in that ecosystem, uh, the more mature is also this, the more there is a 
benefit into focusing on a specific industry, right? Because it's not about first principles anymore. It's more about growth and scale. So the access to industry expertise, the access to industry mentorship, the access to specific corporates that can help that startup to find an environment where they can deploy their solution, find an environment where they can test, find mentorship or expertise that they can tap into is invaluable, right? So different different industries have different dynamics. They have also different barriers to enter for startups, for example, capital needed to deploy in order to build something, right? Versus other industries. So those elements are what makes those different ecosystems by industry different. Given that there is there, there are some common principles go are shared across ecosystems across different industries. For example, the concept of connectedness we mentioned from the startup genome research before applies to to all industries, right? Whenever it's an ecosystem, it's about how funders are sharing with other funders and are in touch with other funders, how world-class mentors are available there, what knowledge share knowledge transfer is happening, right? So those principles apply regardless of the industry, but each specific industry have different ways to access and barriers to entry that make it unique to develop and different timing and different sizing and resources needed in order to make it thrive. And but also at the early stages to add on to that, you think there's there's also a value in actual specializing rather than being a general ecosystem. For example, someone experimenting in biotechnology might have you know, very specific needs around laboratories and maybe an ecosystem of resource where somebody maybe in e-commerce or in, in software at the experimentation phase will have you know very different needs i believe so i believe so take it for example agritech you know we're working with partners that are really equipping you know farms and and specific areas where if you are a startup building in agritech you can tap into an environment where it's easier for you to deploy and test the solutions, right? Because either there is a network of sensors available, drones, and there is the reconstruction of, of an environment where you can really play with it, right? So, and in access to, of course, the industry mentors and, and, and stuff like that. So uh, apply this to every single industry. Of course, there is there is a, a merit, there is, a, there is a, a premium in being very focused and in accessing expertise that can unlock more value than just the first principle thinking you can find in a lot of accelerators out there but where, where uh, apart from the community aspect of it, which of course, again, it's important, maybe you don't have then enough to validate your ideas, to find ways to do the customer discovery, customer validation, find access to that knowledge that you need to tap, that expertise that people from that industry or a specific environment to test and deploy or access to data and policy and regulations and this and that makes you know it specific to your industry. So. Ragnar, I definitely believe, yes, even in the early stage, I believe there is a, a value in being very specific and enabling startups that build solutions in a specific industry to connect with the resources that they need to be successful. Yeah, definitely. Someone else asked which startups in the Middle East have recently gotten you excited? Look, there have been different startups in the, in the Middle East that got me excited. For example, I just would, I was today with a startup that is not the usual startup you would find from this region. They are really global. They're really thinking global and they can really scale globally. They are a travel tech startup and they are building a, a sort of a, if you want, a, a booking.com, but it's all based on video. And, and this is something that the booking expedia of the world, they don't have, right? So, and one way to be uh, uh, as relevant as a booking is using more video today because it's where you come on top of their search results. They are getting a lot of traction globally. 
<clears throat> to reimagine the, the travel experience and from discovery to, to bookings with some innovative uh, models around around the user uh, acquisition and user retention. So this is this is a great startup uh, we are working with in the region and, and it impressed me a lot. We are working with startups that are doing an amazing job when it comes to sustainability. So I was impressed by this startup where they built a hardware to help people of determination to interact with devices and to complete courses and get certifications because they make it easier for uh, people with disabilities to, to do that. And, and there are stories out of the work that this startup is doing of, of, of people, of young people that, you know, were able to achieve more because of that, right? So this is inspiring. It's, it's a great story that is happening from this region. Again, this is a startup that can, that can scale globally. From here, they have this ambition and they, they are really driven by the impact that they, they can make in the life of, of all of these people, which is awesome. Is hardware and software together. They're using data analytics to get a lot of insights about how the people are using the technology, but it's also a human story, right? So it's uh, how you can humanize technology to build for everyone, which is beautiful. We're working with another startup that is more in logistics and they are uh, leveraging uh, a artificial intelligence to build the conversational chatbots that are making the whole process and the freight process and the transport and logistic allocation process more efficient. And this is another great startup because they have been able to close deals with uh, a number of ports, authorities in the region here. And they are at a stage where we're helping them to go global and scale. So they are about to close deals with the Port Authority in Singapore, in Nigeria, and Amsterdam. So again, another example of startups with people that have uh, great expertise in, in logistics that have come together, built a great solution, and scale it from here globally. At a time where we always uh, focus on consumer businesses, startups, right? Yet this other delivery service app that we have here in the region, still there are already great stories of startups that are, you know, building great products, maybe more on the B2B side and having traction and expanding from here globally. And I think we need to tell more the stories of these startups because they are less known than uh, the usual suspects, but they're doing an amazing job and they are showing that it's definitely possible to build great products from here as well. Yeah, and, and also related to that and the Middle Eastern startup landscape, somebody asked what differences you see uh, between the ME ecosystem and, and Silicon Valley or Europe maybe, and how is it better and, and where does it need to catch up? Yeah, that's a great question. So if you ask me, I wouldn't stress too much to uh, compare this ecosystem to a Silicon Valley ecosystem, right? It's not an objective. Definitely, it's kind of straightforward that there are so many differences, right? So, and the Silicon Valley is, is, an ecosystem, is a real ecosystem where you have abundance of engineers, you have abundance of ideas, you have abundance of IP and access to capital, access to uh, technology, access to, to customers and so on and so forth, right? So it's an ecosystem that scale by itself. So it's a very different thing where we are at today here. Probably it's worth to compare this ecosystem here with other geographies, right? That are similar either for demographics or size or maturity, right? If you compare, for example, uh, Middle East, for example, with Latin America, with Nordics, with Southeast Asia, there are more similarities and it's the comparison might add more value in terms of where we are here compared to more mature ecosystems where probably it's not even an objective because I believe every ecosystem should first look within themselves and see what are assets that we have available here that can provide value. So what's in it for me as an entrepreneur to move to Dubai and build my startup from here? Right. So this is the real question versus do the same and move to the U.S. in the Silicon Valley. Right. Is it, is it a matter of patents, of competitions, of access to talent? Is it, is it a matter of scale? What's the real thing? I believe here we have assets because if you think about Middle East and Africa, we have demographics. So we have countries with very young populations. 
We have digitization that is starting. We have seen examples of leapfrogging technologies. Think about micropayments in Africa, for example, as one of the examples. We have economies that are still cash-based. Think about, uh, I don't know, Pakistan, 200 million people, the economy is still cash-based, but digitization is starting, young population, 200 million people, the multiplier is there, right? So we have issues, challenges with digital inclusion, digital literacy, financial inclusion. We have, and many others, right? So. If you put all of this together, this makes uh, unique opportunities that can be tough from here. And geographically as well, look at Dubai is at the center of and the crux of, yes, Europe, US, but also Africa and Southeast Asia and here in India. So it's kind of in a unique central position to have a small population, but very diverse culturally compared to other small ecosystems that can easily allow to test and deploy solutions before then scaling. But the concept of scaling probably, and that's where I would love to see a better ambition, is not I'm going to scale to Saudi because that's not scale, right? So it's, uh, I have India two hours flight from here, which is 1.5 billion people, or I have a product that can go global from here and that can export technology from here, right? So that's probably where the thinking should be. But also in terms of, again, your question, I wouldn't stress again to compare to Silicon Valley because that's not the objective to build another Silicon Valley. There was some ten attempts to build that Silicon something in the region, but is it is it a live space? Is, is there someone there? So I, I wouldn't stress about that. I would stress where where the economy, the government here wants to focus, what are the big bets, right? So what will move the needle of the economy here at a time where the economy needs to be diversified from oil? And what are the real assets that are unique to this region or to this place geographically or for many across other dimensions across the Middle East and Africa? And leverage on those to build something that is unique to this region and that will give an, a, a reason why me as a founder, I would be attracted and retained to live here and build from here. In addition, the emerging region actually have much more important problems to solve than maybe developed countries where the stuff that are innovating there, they are solving sort of very incremental problems and we're sort of saturating. Whereas in, in Latin America or Africa, the problems or living standards are much lower and there's much more to innovate. So in a way, that's also an opportunity despite maybe a less mature ecosystem. So unfortunately, the session already came to an end, but it was super interesting, Roberto, and thanks a lot for coming. Thank you. Thank you, Ragnar. Thank you, Zara, again. Thank you, Adventure Emerge 2021. You're doing an amazing job. So um, I'm happy I've been able to contribute support in my little for, for this event. So I enjoyed the conversation. If you have any further questions we didn't cover today, feel free to reach out to LinkedIn or whatever, and happy to be in touch.